0: John 2, verse 13 is where we're starting. We've been talking uh, about the body being like a house or a temple. Jesus uses both as metaphors. And, And when we start to look at that, what it means that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, we're a temple of his presence. We're a house of his presence. John 2, verse 13, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them out of the temple. This is what they had done to his temple. They'd made it a marketplace to profit from. They made it a marketplace to profit from. People are still doing that with the church today. They still look at it as a vehicle that they can make profit from. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, turned over their tables, then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What they exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Once again, 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. 1 Corinthians 3.16-17, through 17, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you, dwells in you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. You're his temple, you're his house, his dwelling place. Now let's go back to Old Testament. I feel like the Old Testament, I, I, I want you guys to know, when we go and we look at Scripture, when we go and look at the Old Testament, too many of us today, we think, oh, it doesn't matter. All, all we need is what's in the New Testament. No, no, no. The Old Testament brings everything we read in the New Testament to life. They understood this and they knew this. We need to know and be familiar with the Old Testament. First Kings 6. Going way back here. 1 Kings 6, verse 5. This is about Solomon building the temple, the first temple. told you last week, David, he didn't get to build the temple. It it was passed on, this duty, to his son, Solomon. Chapter 6, verse 5. He built a complex of rooms against the outer walls of the temple. All the way around the sides and the rear of the building. The complex was three stories high. The bottom floor being seven and a half feet wide. The second floor nine feet wide. And the top floor ten and a half feet wide. The rooms were connected to the walls of the temple by beams resting on ledges built out from the wall. So the beams were not inserted into the walls themselves. The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry so there was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. The entrance to the bottom floor was on the south side of the temple. There were winding stairs going on the second floor and another flight of stairs between the second and third floors." Three floors on this temple. After completing the temple structure, Solomon put a ceiling made of cedar beams and planks. As already stated, he built a complex of rooms on the three sides of the building. Attached to the temple walls by cedar timbers, each story of the complex was seven and a half feet high. Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon. Concerning this temple you are building... If you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands, I will fulfill through you the promises I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites and I will never abandon my people Israel. Some of you are like, why is this in the Bible? Why does this matter? This doesn't matter to us. Why did they put this in? It still matters today. Look at the complexity of the temple three floors, all all these different regulations for how wide and, and what the rooms were and the walls, everything about it. The detail is so important here. Ezekiel 41, verse five through six. Ezekiel 41, staying in the Old Testament here. Ezekiel 41, verse five. This is later on. Ezekiel is given a vision. From God. And this is a part of his vision. Measurements of the temple. Then he measured the wall of the temple, and it was 10 and a half feet thick. There was a row of rooms along the outside wall, right? We just heard that in 1st King. There, were, there was a complex of rooms. Each room was seven feet wide. These side rooms were built in three levels, three levels of the temple. One above the other with 30 rooms on each level. 30 rooms on each level. This is the complexity and structure of the temple. 30 rooms on each level. We got three levels. Do the math. How many rooms are there? Yeah, 90. There we go. 90 rooms. How complex is this temple? 90 rooms. The supports for these side rooms rested on exterior ledges of the temple. They did not extend into the wall. Why are all these details in here? First Chronicles 9. Go back a little bit again. First Chronicles 9 verse 23. In all, there were 212, I'm going to start verse 22 actually. In all, there were 212 gatekeepers in those days. And they were listed according to the genealogies in their villages. David and Samuel the seer had appointed their ancestors because they were reliable men. These gatekeepers and their descendants by their divisions were responsible for guarding the entrance to the house of the Lord. When that was a tent, the gatekeepers were stationed on all four sides, east, west, north, and south. Their relatives in the villages came regularly to share their duties for seven-day periods. The four chief gatekeepers, all Levites, were trusted officials for they were responsible for the rooms and treasuries at the house of God. They still carried those responsibilities when it went from a tent from the tabernacle to the temple. The gatekeepers were stationed on all four sides, east, west, north, and south. Their relatives in the villages came regularly to share these duties. The four chief gatekeepers, all Levites, were trusted officials for they were responsible for the rooms and treasuries of the house of God. They would spend the night around the house of God since it was their duty to guard it and to open the gates every morning. If we are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, We've talked a little bit about this these past few weeks. We're made up of three parts. Soul, spirit, flesh. Soul, we've talked about this, is where the mind resides. The spirit is what is joined together. The Holy Spirit is joined. Our spirit with his spirit is joined together when we confess him as Lord and Savior. And then the flesh, the outer man, the outside, the, the the outer gates of the temple. What we see from the outside, looking in. The spirit is like the holy of holies, where His presence resided. the 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 Holy Spirit is joined together within us. And outside of the holy holies, you, you could go inside to the inner uh, parts of the temple, and, and that was that would be like our soul. But then these 90 rooms, when you start to think about our body being a temple of the Holy Spirit, the complexity of who we are as humans, these 90 rooms making up different parts and aspects of who we are. Start to think about the complexity of each of us as individuals, all the different things that have made us who we are today, that have formed us, all the different aspects of our life. Some that we try to define ourselves by, some that we try to define our worth by, our value, our identity. We've really focused on some of these 90 rooms so much that we've made some of the 90 rooms the Holy of Holies, and we've ignored His presence. All these different rooms that house different parts of us, different pieces of us, a mom, a son, a dad, your career, you're a sister, you're a brother, you're a grandson, you're a grandfather, all these different things that make up who we are. These are these 90 rooms. Pastor, teacher, construction worker, Navy. I I don't know what it is that makes up your 90 rooms. But each of us, we, we have these different aspects within us that have formed us and shaped us. And some of us, we put so much emphasis on some of these rooms that we've completely disregarded the Holy of Holies. Some of us, these rooms, when we talk about Being demonized or attacked by demons, or or giving demons an entrance into our temple, into our house. For some of us, they've made room within one of these 90. And for some of us, we've kind of just, we've talked about this. If we're a house, if we're a temple, there's some rooms that we kind of just ignore and we don't talk about. And we, you know, we only go there when we're struggling or when times are tough. And we don't know how to cope with what's going on outside around us. And so we go back to one of those rooms that the demons have had a foothold in. And they've even built a stronghold on some of those rooms and those pieces of our lives. Maybe something that happened to us as a child. And this is where we've always gone, where we don't know what to do next because there's a place of comfort there because we're comfortable with what we know. That's why some of us, we hold on so tight to our demons and we hold them close and we don't bring them into the light because we don't know how to cope or how to move forward in this life if we were to even attempt to try to get free from them. Some of us, we've been shamed and guilted so much about what we've hidden in some of these rooms, about our past, about our sexual sin, about things that we thought, man, I can never let anybody know that that happened to me or that I did that. And so we've kept those rooms locked and barricaded, and we've never dealt with what's inside of them. The Holy Spirit wants to release his power and his presence through every room and wash every room clean within us. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force his way into your life. You have to invite him in. You have to sit with him in his presence and deal with these rooms that you've kept locked from him for so long. He will not force his way. He will not make you do this. It's a choice that we have to make. In this temple, there's gates all throughout. And there are gatekeepers. That's the role of the Levites. Some of them were gatekeepers. Gatekeepers. They also were over some of the chambers and treasuries, some of these rooms. They spent the night around the house of God in charge of opening it in the morning. The gatekeepers were priests who worked with the watchmen. Watchmen, they they would keep an eye out at a high place. And they had a panoramic view for miles that they could see so that they could give warning. They could give a warning to what was coming. That's the role of the prophetic in our world today. That's why we gather here at the church today, because we need to see what's coming down the line. We need to be aware. And so the role of preacher, pastor, it's a prophetic role in our church And we give warning to how the enemy is coming and how the enemy wants to attack and how the enemy wants to try to get a foothold within the temple so he can reside here. Gatekeepers, these Levites, they steward the weight and authority of the kingdom in a region. The city gates, they were a part of the defense to keep out invaders they were also a gathering place for business deals, civic issues. People would come to the gates, and that's where they would gather. Important announcements were made at the gates. In the book of Ruth, Boaz, he goes to the city gate to discuss the land Naomi had to sell. This is where deals happened. This is where people gathered. This is where people came, where things happened, where you came in and went out at the gate. In Joshua 20, verse 4, you would stand at the entrance of the gate to the city to state your case to the hearing of the elders of that city. The gate represents places of governing and entry points of influence. What you let in to the gate of your temple, it matters. What you deny entrance to at the gate matters. We talked about this last week, waging good warfare. Every decision you make, even the smallest decisions, things that you don't even think are a big deal, things that you're deciding whether or not you're gonna let have a place in your life, let have a place within your temple, you're making decisions that are waging warfare. You're either letting the enemy in or keeping the enemy out. The choices we make matter. Guard the gates. The gatekeepers and watchmen, they work together in tandem. That's why we do this together, church. We do this together in tandem to work to bring alignment into the temples, God's people. When we are aligned and working together, that's when revival and awakening and an outpouring of his spirit begin to happen when we are misaligned, when we, when we have no care for the gates, that's when chaos happens. That's when disunity happens. When we stop listening to the Holy Spirit and we start listening to the spirits that we let in through our gates. God, open our eyes in this moment to dismantle demonic strongholds and systems in this area, in our temples. Father God, open our eyes to how the enemy is working Teach us how to guard the gates. Some of your gates, Jesus talks about. He talks about the eyes, the ears, and the tongue. Matthew 6, 22 through 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. It's like a lamp that provides light for your body. In, in, in houses at the time, they would put the lamps in the window. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Your eye, the things you let in through your eyes, the things you see, the things you watch, the things you are taking in week after week, the things you are scrolling past. Are you letting the enemy into one of the gates right there? Are you letting the enemy into the gate through social media? Are you letting envy into your life when you see things and you're scrolling and you see things and you're like, I want that, I desire that, I wish I had that, I hate that that person has that? You're letting the enemy in through the gate of your eyes. Through envy, through lust, through pornography, all these things, we just give the enemy access to because of some of these rooms within us. Let him guard the gates. When you're not sure, when you begin to feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit, like, man, maybe I'm letting something in right here that I shouldn't, just just stop. Take a moment and ask him, is this a gate? Is this an entry point for the enemy to get access into my life? Just ask him, and you'll hear yes or no. You'll hear it come up within you. He will speak to you. And then ask him, do you want me to shut this gate? And the answer is going to be yes. (laughs) Like, don't let the enemy in. Shut the gates. That's the job of the Levites. That's the job of the priesthood. We are now a part of the priesthood. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, we we have been made a part of the royal priesthood. Guard the gates. That's what we've been called to do. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those those who love it will eat its fruit. Matthew 15, 11 through 20. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's not the ribs, not the pork, it's not the steak or whatever it is that you think, oh man, that defiles me. It's not the Pringles. Pringles might be defiling you. McDonald's probably defiling you. It's not those things. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. In another place, Jesus says, their converts become twice the sons of hell that they are. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. James 3, 7 through 10, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I've done this. I'm guilty of this. We've all done this. We're guilty of this. We'll come here on Sunday and we'll praise and worship him with our tongue. And then we'll use that same tongue to speak evil, to speak death over somebody else's life. We'll use that same tongue to speak evil or death or cursing over our own lives. The words we say matter. Every word that comes out of our mouth, it matters. And we do have a choice in this matter. We have a choice, what we say, what we let come out, what we release into this world. Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? The words we say matter. The music we listen to, the music that we listen to and let come into us, when we begin to repeat that out, actually begin to think about the lyrics, the words you are saying. Because you are speaking those things out into this world and they are defiling you more than anything else. When you begin to sing those words out, it begins to change and rewire your brain. The same way praise and worship begins to rewire us on a Sunday and we begin to speak and praise and and believe the truth from God's word, God's scripture that we're declaring over our lives and over our church and over our families That begins to change us and rewire us. And sometimes too many of us, we think the words we say or the the lyrics that we sing, that they don't really matter. Let me tell you something. They matter. They change the way you interact with people around you. They change the way you believe about yourself. The words that you are speaking and singing out from music that is produced by this culture, it matters and it does change you. Ah, Trust me, I, I used to think that was all whatever. That doesn't matter. I can listen to this stuff, and it doesn't affect me, and it doesn't change me, and I can listen to ACDC, and um, gosh, I, you know, Highway to Hell, all that stuff. I mean, I I used to listen to all the classic rock stuff. I'm not against it, guys, but I I can look back on my life now, and I, I can just say, for me, when I start to look at my life and the way I lived Man, those lyrics and the things I was speaking out over my life, I I was in denial because they were affecting me the way I lived and the way my mind thought. And as I began to test over these last couple years what it looked like to eliminate these songs and these lyrics from my life and to stop singing them out over my life, all of a sudden I I start to see greater self-control in areas of my life that I didn't know self-control was possible in whether that was with my anger or with areas of lust or desire or envy or hate, when I stopped singing songs about these things, when I stopped listening to them and taking them in and I stopped repeating these lyrics out loud while I was driving in the car and I started to replace them with worship, it changed and rewired me from the inside out. The words you speak, the words you declare, the words you sing matter. And that goes for your kids too. Even if it's just kids bop. Trust me, we, we some of you guys are like, what kids bop? That ain't bad. Trust me, I, we'll do it. We'll put on, we put on kids bop for our kids sometimes before, and I'll, all of a sudden I'll start hearing my kids singing it. And I'm like, I don't want that for my kids' life. I know what they're really saying. I know what they're really declaring. I know what Taylor Swift wants. I know what Lizzo is saying. I, I don't want that for my kids' life. Cut the enemy off at the gate. Cut the enemy off at the gate. Don't even let him in. Don't even let him have a place. Just take this next week to start looking at the lyrics of the songs you listen to. There's some that are going to be really obvious. Cardi B songs, all right? I'm just going to say it right now. You're going to look at those lyrics and you're going to be like, I'm sorry, Lord. You're going to repent right there. I didn't realize I was singing that. I didn't realize I was declaring that over my life. Cut it off at the gate. Don't let the enemy in anymore. It will change your life, and it will change you from the inside out. And this isn't legalism; this is freedom. That's all it is. You can do that, and and guess what? I'm not saying your salvation is at stake. I'm not saying, oh, that's that's the moral, you know, the that's the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying every time we give the enemy a foothold, what does he do? He'll build a stronghold. And he'll keep building strongholds until he has all 90 rooms within you. Every area of your life he wants and he desires. Until the end result is you can't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore because he's completely drowned out by the voices of this world that you've let have a room and a place within your temple. Cut him off at the gate. And you'll start to find freedom in areas you never realized you could experience freedom. Matthew 18, 9. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. I was always told like, uh, yeah, you know, Jesus, you know, he's just being hyperbolic here. But sometimes me and one of my friends, we kind of look at that verse and, and the more we've thought about it over the years, the more I think, I think he was more serious about that than we really give him credit for. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. He's saying close that gate, whatever it takes, at any cost. You might think it's really great and convenient to have this gate, but guess what? It's more inconvenient to live eternity in hell. That's way more inconvenient. It really is. That word to cause, it's to put a snare or a uh, a stumbling block or, or a trap. It's like a, they would use it uh, to talk about bait, um, you know, to s- properly to set a snare, like with like a stick in a box, you know, like one of those old traps, okay, where you, you know, the rabbit goes in and grabs a carrot and pulls the box and you're trapped. That's really th- this kind of idea that that word is talking about, to fall into this kind of trap. And then the other word there, that's used for to, to pluck out, to take out. It's exerio. And in the Greek, it just means to take out, to deliver. There's freedom when you take that out, when you remove it, to be rescued. And at the root, it comes from these two words, ek and hereo. And this hereo word, it means to take, to choose. We have a choice, Everything we do spiritually, it is a choice. The Holy Spirit will not force us to follow him or to listen to him. He gives us the choice. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, what did God do? He gave Adam and Eve a choice, and he made it as simple as possible. You can eat from any other tree, but not this one. Just choose not to. Choose choose to flee. Choose to run away. Choose to live as far away from that tree as you can. But they chose to get as close as they could. To just have a bite. To just have a taste. And that's how we keep living. We keep choosing to get as close as we can to this world and what's going on in it and what's going on around us. And we keep thinking, we keep lying and deceiving ourselves thinking, no, 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 I'm just trying to be like the world to win the world. No, 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 that, that's the bait of Satan right there. That's the trap. We, we've chosen it and we've chosen to believe these lies. And God's holiness demands that we run as far away from it. And that's what will draw people To him. They'll begin to see that you're living a life that's different. They'll begin to see a life that is changed and transformed and looks nothing like the wreck that the world is making their lives into right now. That looks nothing like the lost and the stumbling and the blind wandering through the darkness trying to make their own way right now. They'll see you as a beacon of light in this world. They'll see you and they'll seek out what's changed you, what's made you different, what's set you apart, and it's his holiness. Worship team, you can come up as we close out here. Ezekiel 43 is where we're gonna close. Verse one. Every choice we make is warfare. Warfare. Every choice at the gate of what we let in, what we take in and what we speak out through our mouth, it is warfare. You're a part of the royal priesthood, protect your gates as if you have been called, chosen and anointed, as if you have been set apart for this duty because the truth is you have You were chosen long ago. He chose you as his very own, his son and his daughter. He chose you. Protect the gates of his temple. And let him clean out every room within you as you seek out his holiness. As you let him transform you from the inside out. There's this book that I love. It's called Soul Care. It's by a guy named Dr. Rob Reimer. And before we get to Ezekiel, I just wanted to share this with you. And he talks about the body, your soul, like there's a suitcase there. And he talks about unpacking the suitcase. Scott, do you got that picture? Do you see that picture? Will that pop up there? It says suitcase on it. Yeah, look at that. That's my suitcase. I brought it. I brought it. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. It's really not a suitcase, guys. It's just an old duffel bag that I got in college for playing basketball on a really bad basketball team. All right? But I, anywhere I go, I still use this thing. Like, I, I don't know why. It's just the perfect size. I can fit my pillow in there. I can fit all my clothes. I can fit my shoes. I can fit it all. But when I come back from a trip, like when I come back from doing something and using this thing, this is how I live for probably, I mean, I'm still living like this. Honestly, I just took this a couple of weeks ago. The last time I took a trip was like months ago. <laughs> Steph knows. Steph will testify to this. I live like this. I just leave my suitcase there completely unpacked. I just leave it. I just kind of deal with it as I go. And I, I just kind of take out things every now and then and kind of maybe I'll fold something. Maybe I'll clean something. Maybe I'll put something away. But I'm just like, I, I just live there with my suitcase on the floor, on you know, just completely still filled with junk. And sometimes there's moments where I'm looking for something and I can't find it and I haven't seen it for months, like one of my favorite shirts, and finally I just stumble upon it in this suitcase and I'm like, wow, I wish I would have dealt with this a long time ago. But I didn't deal with it a long time ago. I waited and I let it build up and I let it become a problem and I let it become an issue and I just buried stuff there and I never unpacked it and took the time to put things away where they belong. And in our soul, we do that so often. There's things that we've left packed away or hidden within some of these rooms inside of us, and we've never dealt with it. The Holy Spirit wants to deal with it. He doesn't want you to live like this. This is a terrible way to live. It really is. He wants to cleanse the temple. Sit with the Holy Spirit this week and ask him what it is he wants you to unpack. Maybe it's been packed away and hidden for years. It's something from your childhood. Maybe it's from these last few weeks, something that you just don't know how to deal with, and so you just keep ignoring it and hoping it will go away or take care of itself. It's not. Look at my life. It's not going away. i got to deal with it. I can't just keep ignoring it. I can't just keep watching TV or Netflix at night. I need to turn off the TV and go and deal with what's going on in my life, in my own room of my house. Because guess what? Everyone around you has to live like this too. My wife has to walk by that every day. Every time she goes to our closet, she just sees that. It's It's not just affecting you. It's affecting those around you. And you don't even realize it. You don't even acknowledge it. You've just ignored it and gotten used to it for so long. You just said, this is normal. It doesn't have to be normal. He wants to bring healing into your life. He wants to cleanse the temple out. That's what he's going to do today if you'll let him. If you'll humble yourself and come before him, he wants to cleanse the temple. But it's a choice. I have to choose to acknowledge that it's there. I have to choose to start pulling things out. I have to choose to start taking care of things that I've ignored for too long. You have a choice today. Ask him as we're closing out in worship here today, what is it he's telling you that you need to finally You need to finally acknowledge it's there. You need to finally choose to go after it. You need to finally have that conversation you've been avoiding. You need to finally deal with that relationship that you've put off to the side. With that, Whatever it is, that block in your life that you've been ignoring and not dealing with, ask him today what it is so you can approach it and he can begin to clean the temple out. Ezekiel 43, verse one. After this, The man brought me back around to the east gateway. Suddenly the glory of God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters. And the whole landscape shone with his glory. This vision was just like the others I had seen. First by the Kibar River. And then when he came to destroy Jerusalem, I fell face down on the ground. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. The glory of the Lord comes in through the gate. Let him in today. Invite him in. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Let him fill your temple today. And I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple. While the man who had been measuring stood beside me, the Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. Right here on your heart. This is the place of his throne and the place where I will rest my feet. Let him come and rest within you today. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship or other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. They put their idol altars right next to mine with only a wall between them and me. Do you see it? Do you see in your own life? Do you see in your own temple how you've let the idols in and you've given them rooms and places within you right next to his presence? They defiled my holy name by such detestable sin, so I consumed them in my anger. Now let them stop worshiping other gods and honoring the relics of their kings, and I will live among them forever son of man, describe to the people of Israel, the temple I have shown you. So they will be ashamed of all their sins. Let them study its plan. Uh, Let them study its plan and they will be ashamed of what they have done. Describe to them all the specifications of the temple, including its entrances and exits and everything else about it. That's what we did today. We described his temple. Tell them about its decrees and laws. Write down all these specifications and decrees as they watch so they will be sure to remember and follow them. And this is the basic law of the temple. Absolute holiness. Absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple it's what the law is all about be holy for the Lord your God is holy